I told him, I said, and anytime you're in a situation where you know you want more, then do not make that situation too comfortable because comfort is the enemy of greatness. that your personal life and your professional life are inherently linked. And when you do the work on both sides, you can become the most successful version of yourself. This is a place where wisdom meets leadership, where success meets spirituality. Welcome to Do the Work with Denise Love Hewitt. I was recently listening to Oprah's Super Soul on Authentic Power, and she mentioned that her relationship with her weight had been a spiritual journey, that for what she thought was a barrier in her life really was an expander. And a tiny light bulb went off in my head. Aha, I thought. My love life in my 20s was full of rejection and heartbreak and unhealed patterns, which forced me to realize that I was the common denominator and maybe I was unconsciously attracting the wrong things. I went to therapy to address my attachment style my self-worth, and of course, other things come up as they do. And I realized that process was one that pushed me to learn how to fall in love with myself. Some people heal in partnership. Some people heal on their own. For me, it was a spiritual initiation to learn to rely and love myself. I'm so happy I figured it out. The previous version of me really was just trying to get people to acknowledge my worth. And I wanted to prove to them that they should love me. If I'm so great, they'll eventually realize it. And what I know now is I don't need anyone to do that except for me. If I like and love myself, that is the most important relationship that I have. And so when we're struggling with things, oftentimes I think it's a window into how we can become the most empowered versions of ourselves. I am so honored to share the amazingly special Angelica Ross with you all this week. We met at a dinner a few years ago, and I was immediately struck by her depth, her humor, and knowledge of herself. People that know themselves have ease. You may know her as Candy on Pose or her various characters on American Horror Story or as the founder of Trans Tech. Beyond her career accomplishments, Angelica has done the inner work. Angelica is a fully realized woman. She embodies what this podcast is all about. And she can serve a look, a dance move, and will make you laugh. I'm so happy you're here. Ah, I'm so happy to be here. It's been a busy, interesting, convoluted, complex year. Yeah. Life. Yes. The end such is life. Yes. 100%. Um, well, I'm stoked to have you and to, to bring some of what you've brought to my life to everyone else. And I'm sure people have heard a lot of your story, but I would love for you to sort of walk us through um, your initial journey sort of to where you are now. Hmm. <laughs> That's always an interesting question, but my initial journey to where I am now, I mean, well, so I guess for those that don't know me, um, you know, I'm Angelica Ross and I am known as uh, an actress and also an advocate. And I um, have, you know, been correcting a lot of people lately, you know, when I'm on a lot of shows and they want to know what my lower third is going to say and things like that. And uh, they're like, oh yeah, you're a trans advocate, right? I'm like, no, no, I'm not. I happen to be trans. Yeah. But I'm actually a, and just an advocate. I'm a human rights advocate. I advocate for human rights. Um, I happen to be trans. And so, but look, you know, that took, to be at a place where I'm at, sure. It took me a, a, a quite a path and a journey of unfolding, of challenging myself, of questioning myself, of questioning the world um, and my place in it. And really building a courage uh, to, become who I am. So for me, I grew up in the middle of America in Wisconsin and in the theaters and in creatives. Uh, I grew up in the church choir and um, I was in community theater from the time of like first grade. I did 12 years of musical theater and community theater um, where I had to learn like tap and ballet and all kinds of things. And then obviously, you know, uh, life happens and my identity and I, um, realized that life was preparing me for an interesting travel, an interesting journey where I would need some tools. I would need, not for commercial sake, but I would need the music. I play piano. I play piano by ear since like 
the fourth grade, I think when my mom bought me my first Casio, I am just now doing music commercially, but I needed to be able to play piano sometimes as just my therapy when I had nothing else and no one else. You know, I have learned to advocate for myself as a black person in a culture that is anti-black, as a trans person in a culture that is anti-trans, and as a trans woman, as a woman in a culture that is misogynistic, patriarchal, uh, you know, all of the things. So I believe that I was born in a perfect storm um, in the sense of there's nothing that quote unquote, shouldn't have happened in my life. There's nothing that was a coincidence. Everything, every moment, everything adds up to this. And I, I, one of the things I love, cause you know, you know, you and I talk about a lot of this stuff all the time, but like with our Eckhart Tolle and, you know, a lot of these uh, spiritual healing, self-help, whatever you want to call it type books. But I remember um, Eckhart saying once that like, if, you know, yeah, you guys can spend a lot of time if you want to with therapists and that's great. You know, therapy's great. I, I think therapy's wonderful. But depending on, I use therapy to move forward in the sense of as like almost like a coach, a life coach in helping me to parse out what's going on currently and how to manage my anxieties and also challenge myself and push myself and affirm myself in the opportunities that I currently have. I don't spend time thinking about what my mama did, said, didn't say, do I call, them, <laughs> I call them monthly check-ins. Like I do like a monthly check-in with my therapist, but I yeah. also want to say that's also probably because when you've come to like a, a certain amount, like a specific place on your journey in the yes. work, you don't yes. need it's just to a like, check-in. Yes. yeah, it's like, it's like a, I use the same thing too. I'm like, this came up this month. This is where we're at. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what I want to hopefully model for most people is, is, uh, is the very specific diagnosis to your problems and that specific diagnosis coming from you, um, mostly from you in the sense that like, even, you know, like I really hate that we live in a world that again is anti-black when it comes to the conversation of medical marijuana or cannabis, but you know, let it be somebody white and it's an Olympic, uh, you know, endorsement deal or some, some, something crazy. So that was crazy. Something wild, you know. So basically, I say that to say that weed is a bad thing for some people, <laughs> and it's not for some and for other people. Or meaning like because we live in a culture that has shame, that has done all is done around uh, self-medicating. And it's mostly, I want people to understand too, it's mostly because of the gang and the thugs that are in the pharmaceutical industry, not the drug dealers on the street, the pharmaceutical industry. They know that everybody's got something, high blood pressure, tension, anxiety, uh, bipolar, depression, mental health issues, something. And there we 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 know that natural remedy has been always been a thing that we've been trying to tap into and be tapped into our bodies and know ourselves and be able to, you know, be our own healers of of some sorts. And for me, you know, I don't talk publicly about it a lot because I don't I have a lot of different followers and I don't want to. I try to be mindful of my platform for everybody. But what I will say is that early on in my journey, I smoked a lot of weed, like a lot, a lot of weed. And it was because for me, we did something different. It was something that quieted my anxiety and it helped me to keep the creative window open for me. I had anxiety issues. And so I remember at one point I went to a doctor and I got prescribed like an anxiety medication or what have you. And I took, it was like a Lazar, lorazepam or something I was taking at the time. And I remember taking it. I was like, oh, oh no, you can keep this. I was like, I told him, I was like, no, 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 you can keep this. Cause I feel checked out. Listen, I'm telling them, I feel checked out on this drug you're giving me. I feel like I can manage this more with this and therapy together. And then, so you got some folks who are trying to go it alone. And I, I really don't think that's necessarily the way. I think that we have to have this thing that is both a theoretical 
uh, addressing of our problems, you know, think whether it's thinking through spirit and all, you know, action and all that as well as medication to take over in those moments when, you know, you, you sort of needed to. So I am not above that. I have not been above those things. Um, I don't smoke as much weed as I used to. But I will participate here and there. Um, but, but I definitely don't, you know, and so, but that, why I say that, it's so important because I have Black family members who have not had access or been around or understand how they are being criminalized for something that white people do and, or just every, anybody does. But you also have to make sure that this is something that's serving you. And serving the direction that you're going in. And when it's not, you need to address that as well. So, you know, with my, like my nephew, he's young, you know, and when I first started helping, you know, uh, taking, you know, had him under my wing, like he was just stoned all the time. Like it was just like, and I could see there was stuff underneath it though. You know what I mean? Like I, and I recognize being in that place. So all I wanted to do and be for him was someone who stood to show him that you just need to be, you need to do what's right for yourself and your body. And this is not right. Overconsumption is not right. You know, um, n- not paying attention to your body is not right. Right. But that's the key, I think, because like everyone, it's an escapism. They numb instead of just like sitting in their body. But I think what's interesting is that, you know, you know yourself and your body and I'm the same. Like I know my body tells, talks to me all the time and I'm always listening. <laughs> and there's a lot of people that are disconnected from their body and that intuition that is letting them know like what is what's under the surface oh there. baby but let me tell you i was disconnected for a very long time and i'll tell you why because okay so listen get this as a trans person as trans people a huge part of our journey is being able to get people to see and experience Uh, the same thing, you know, that is inside. So uh, many times our exterior, and you don't even have to be trans, but many times our exterior is not in alignment with what's going on in the inside. And again, especially in today's society, when there's so much money spent on cosmetics and filters and everything else, many times what's going on the outside does not align with what's going on in the inside. And I was one of those people who, as a trans person, knew exactly who I was on the inside. I'm a woman. I, it's, it's me. It's my essence. It's my spirit. It's everything. So I didn't need much to connect to my spirit. That's where I felt at home. I grew up in the church singing gospel music. So when I sang gospel music, boom, immediately I'm connected to my spirit. When I'm, you know, all these ways I know how to stay connected to my spirit, but my body I felt was betraying me on the daily. And I didn't, and I was at war with my body. My body was betraying me. To say that is to say, and I'll admit, I'm admitting, admitting, I'll tell you in my younger years, I didn't take care of myself. My hygiene wasn't the best. And it wasn't because I was just a dirty person or a filthy person or this. I was maybe depressed. I was maybe, you know, in a way that was undiagnosed unrecognizable to the people around me because I seem to be operating just fine, you know? And so sometimes, and these are those signs like hygiene, all these, these are sometimes are things are just sign of you're not tapped in to yourself and wanting to take care of yourself, you know? And I just remember, and I'm telling you all my dirt, but let me tell you, like in the beginning, when I was in the beginning, when I was dating, I used to smoke cigarettes, like um, when I, in my early twenties. And I just remember between smoking cigarettes and not taking care of myself and then being in the dating world, I remember getting this feeling of when I would find a match, let's say on a, on one of the apps or something. And now I didn't found somebody, oh my God, that I really, that seems like, oh, I, that's who I would love to, oh my goodness, I would, you know, this would be a great match. And now I want to clean myself up. For what? To show them what? A temporary right. cleaned up version of yourself, you know, so that's how people was, date though. That's yeah. exactly how people date. And so I, and I, so I, I, I'm telling this for, re- I'm saying this cause I know there are people that are going to be out here listening that uh, I know this is hitting home. Cause I don't want you to feel alone. 
in that because I, I just, I understand the experience. But what I know is that where you see me now, the place you see me at now and in my life is because I love myself more than anybody else loves me more than anybody. I don't, and I, it's not anybody else's responsibility. I'm not looking for anyone else to give me that I am that. And it took her a long ass time, a long ass time for me to get that. Sure. I still am single and want to mingle and, you know, get in my feelings sometimes when, um, you know, when it still ain't happened the way that I want it to happen. But I have to keep talking to myself in very healthy ways because I've learned new ways of processing things of saying, you know, hey, you are doing well. You just went on a beautiful date the other night. And I have a new mantra. <laughs> oh, what's the mantra? I have a new mantra. So my new thing is because, you know, what we were calling into the universe partners, et cetera, you know, I've done all the things and it's just still not hitting the bar. You know, they're just, we're just not hitting the bar where we need to. So my new mantra is I'm seeking an equal partner who is seeking me and is ready for me. And I'm eliminating all blocks between us. And I say it every day. I'm going to need you to email me that. And I'm, uh, um, I'm, I'm going to start saying you. that. Please. Yes, you yes. I'm I'll text start, it to you. Yes. Yes. Listen, cause I'm going to start saying that every day because honestly, um, I'm trying to listen and continue. Listen, I'm still learning. I know that I'm never in a place where I say, girl, I have, I know it all. I'm good. No, I'm still no. learning. And so, I know I have insecurities still. I know, you know, I'm dealing with them, some things, but listen, I'm good. I don't have like severe insecurities. You know, I don't have anything that's debilitating right now, but you know, I went on a date the other night and this, it was like date number two and God, I'm telling my business, but basically, you know, but just the fact that this, this man was doing all of these romantic things and it has not been sexually driven. You know, and I, I keep having these experiences. I've, I've had these experiences in the last couple of guys that I've been talking to and dating. And it's just been nice. Um, so I know that I'm drawing closer to me that which I vibrate with, that which is more of an equal match to me, like, we're, you know, we talk about. But sometimes it's not happening as fast or as intense. It's not on our timeline. <laughs> it's no, you know, I'm like... Do you like me? I mean, I, I, I can't tell. I mean, you, you know, like what? It's just, you know, but I you have to tell myself that person, that voice, that screaming like that. Calm down, girl. You just had a great date. You are busy as hell this week. Go uh, handle your business and you will see him again when the next time comes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know how your heart is, you know, feeling, but calm down. Well, I think it's also letting things like being in the flow of life. Like my new thing is in dating is just like, I'm letting things unfold instead of like, you know, it used to be like more future oriented or, you know, what I used to be an anxious attachment style, all those things that I've had to sort of unravel to be in a place where now I'm like just very present and in the flow of life and very, also very clearly listening to you when you speak to me. Because yeah. what we people don't know as a, as a heterosexual. You exactly what you need to know, child. Within the first three dates, if you're really listening, you will know, you will see it all. And I definitely have really tuned into that. And it's really changed how I date because when people show you who they are, you believe, I believe them. Mm -hmm. And then if you want to show me you're someone different, then you can prove that to me. Yes. But I think that I'm very clear. I'm not deluding myself. I'm not like, oh yeah. Because like when you're attracted to someone, you have a connection, you're like, you want to believe that they're, and, but you're like, when you sit back, like I, just, I just had a guy that, you know, said all the right things, all the right things. And then messed up. And I was like, my eyes are open. If you want to show me you're different, right. available for you to put in the work and do that. But I am not going to pretend that I did not just see what I just right. saw. Right. Exactly. You know, and that's the thing. I think a lot of us in the past, especially just for whatever, all the reasons have pretended to not see the signs and pretended not yeah. to see, you know, the things. And, and I'm, I just would rather not, I would rather honestly be by myself. And that's, just what it has been for. But that's it. Yeah. Because when you have such yeah, no, a listen. full life and you're so happy, like add energy of, yeah. of value or vibrate out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think on that topic, you know, it's so interesting because I'm going to tell you, I have felt so accomplished in my professional life. 
and probably not so accomplished in my personal life. Now, the only reason why I, I say that is because like I have good relationships, you know, um, friendships, things like that. But um, and very few friendships, but I do have them. But there's a lot of work that goes into becoming who I am. So I think when a lot of people aren't used to putting in their own work, it's very easy to outgrow each other very quickly. Because if you're not doing the work and I'm over here doing work every day and putting in 10,000 hours, girl, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be somewhere. And it's not that I think I'm better than you. We just going to vibrate different. And it's just not going, ain't nothing I can do to change that, you know, sort of situation. But in my personal life, I, I, in my personal life, I will say this. I will say that I'm trying to make space and affirm and validate the validity of everything that I want personally, you know, cause those are personal choices and things like that or whatever, but they're still valid. And so comes to like marriage, for instance, it's so interesting to me when I'm thinking about or talking about that, even watching pose and kind of like that got me in my feelings, the third season, you know, because they really Janet mock really like ripped a bandaid off all the girls wounds around marriage you know, um, and not being able to be that girl and to have that experience or what have you. And only a few of us do or whatnot. You know, it's just so interesting because I am so, uh, uh, I don't even know what the word is, but like I'm with the normal cishet experience of marriage. I understand why people feel the way that they feel, but to be someone who has gone through the work, like we talk of coming into yourself, knowing yourself, valuing yourself, loving yourself, all of those things. Like we haven't had a culture full of that going on for a long time. So when I now think about and talk about marriage, I know one thing, it's probably going to be a prenup because (laughs) listen, it just is what it is. So we're going to do that. But other than the prenup, marriage is not necessary and the paperwork is not necessary, right? But for me, and this is what I need to sometimes, this has been a hard conversation or space for me to kind of like put boundaries around and say, I want this and this is what I want to protect. I know and feel I am not validated by a marriage contract and by a piece of paper. I know that is not what I need. What I want is someone who is a partner and who's going to come, who commits to me like, and I'm going to say this, but this is, hmm. It's so interesting, but commit to me like in the ways that Coretta committed to Dr. Martin Luther King, but just meaning and the ways that Michelle commits to Barack. Right. The way that when we understand I'm attracted to this person and this person is like vibrating with purpose. I can you you be. You, but also has a destiny like that you don't want to hold them back from. Yes. And I, for the life of me, don't understand why women, why men waste women's time when knowing they don't want nothing. So it's kind of like, especially with me, like, I'm like, look, that's why, let me tell you something. That's why I pull it back like this. That's why I pulled it back to not be the Barbie all the time because y'all are getting me twisted. I know I'm sickening. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm pretty. That the blonde, the blonde braids was <laughs> sickening. I was dead. If you guys did not see this look, I was like, wow. She just like burned up. The whole place was on fire. <laughs> you know, listen, I, I can easily burn a building. You know what I mean? But I don't want folks to get it twisted. So, you know, I just, I want folks to see me and because again people get mesmerized but unless you are willing to actually step up to what so again it's just like having a dream I want to be a basketball player I want to be a singer I want to be this okay I did not know that sound good or look good are you willing to do the work that's involved with having that well th- so the two things I want to I want to bring up One is I want to do a reframe because I relate very much to you in terms of like professional versus personal life. But my therapist did a really strong reframe for me. Help me, girl. She told told me, she said, Denise, you're wrong. You've been in a serious relationship with yourself. 
Right. And that is just because it hasn't been with a partner doesn't mean that that's less valid. And I think yes. that was a very good reframe for me to be like, you know what? You're right. I've taken this time mm-hmm. to really become the person that I want to attract into my life. Right. Because they say, if you're these things, like that's how it works. The other thing is, is as you're talking about is like what I have found, at least in my dating life, is that for whatever reason, there's a lot of men that think that we are here to live in service of their dreams. <laughs> yes. I am not here to live in service of anyone's <laughs> dreams, but my own. And so it, that's important to me. Or to when help I help people find their, you know what I mean? But like, you're not, I'm not here for that. That's like, that's not my job and responsibility. I am not here to heal a man in this lifetime. Right. And yeah. so yeah. you should come to the table as, you know, we're not all ever fully healed, sure, but as sure. having, having done the work in the way that I have to be more healed and more present. And then, you know, so this is going to be in a future keynote, spoiler alert. It's going to be like <laughs> down the road. I haven't done it yet, but I have a phrase I use a lot, which is we are going to be souffles in the oven rising together. I am not mixing ingredients. Come, come with your ingredients mixed and then we can rise. But I am not in the kitchen mixing the ingredients because I have energy that needs to go towards my dreams that I can't put into you at the expense of my purpose. My purpose is larger than that. And so I need someone that is on that page that wants to like build an empire together that like that means we can we can still hold both of our dreams in equal ways. But, you know, but again, like in this in again, I'll point to the cis het community, cisgender heteronormative community that I think it's a men are treating the situation like a what comes first, the chicken or the egg, where what you're talking about is wonderful. But men are used to a lot of men are used to the patriarchal version of the situation. And so it's the to have a woman who or a person or partner, whatever, that does not need you to fix them, does not need you to save them, fix their credit, pay for their bills or do whatever else. There's an energy and a respect level that comes there because you are handling that yourself or doing these things yourself that should be there. But some men feel lost. They say they want one thing, but then they feel lost in, in practice. If they're not, if those aren't their responsibilities, saving you, taking care of you, doing this, that, and the third, I want you here as a, a partner, as somebody that like on an equal territory, we're standing beside each other. Some men don't know how to lead or how to hold power in a relationship without tapping into patriarchy. So I, I feel like we're in this loop right now. That was T. That is so, just say it again, cause I, but yeah, just we need to hear it one more time. Well, get it this way. Cause I'm gonna get it for us all. Some men and some women don't Ooh. know how to hold power without tapping into systemic power like patriarchy. And I'll even extend that and say white supremacy. Um, I'll say all the things because we have these systems that people know and understand whether they admit it or not, that there's a benefit to aligning with those systems. There is a certain type of personal power and freedom when you live outside those systems. But what happens is when you're just a newbie at doing that, you might get a little uh, disoriented and need to tap back into the system you know well. I'm out of that system. Well, not true. I tap in when I, I do tap in. To, so I tap in when I push my titties to the sky. And when I do certain things, when I go to get my car fixed at the uh, uh, shop, like I do tap into patriarchy once in a while. I do. You know, but what I want to say is <laughs> one of the things that I think that has been apparent to me, and I think you're a really good like living example of is that being who you are is unsafe in the world that we live in, right? It's, it's not safe. We can speak about the deaths in the trans community, all the murders, all that stuff. But really what I think you've shown us is that the more that you step into your power and your authentic self, the more the universe supports you. And I think that rings true for me is that you are fearless in being who you are, living who, who, like your truth, even though that's a very unsafe thing for you to do. And you've been in your, you just been, I see the universe supporting you and rewarding you. On the flip side of that as well, this is what Buddhism has taught me is that it's like all the things are operating all the time in the sense that yes, when you do the work 
in ways in which similar to the ways that I've done the work, the universe will meet you. It will support you in these things. And at the same time, like a, the strongest gust of wind, like the strongest, you will also experience an onslaught of challenge of almost like slander and exile. It could be as well. Like these things are, uh, um, there, I practice Buddhism, specifically Nichiren Buddhism. And so one of the priests back in the whatever 12th century or whatever, his name was Nichiren and he was exiled. And so a lot of things we learned from him and it was so funny because like, I love this practice so much because when I'm reading about him and reading about the situation, it gives me, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I'm like, because basically he, he, he talks about refuting erroneous teachings in almost a very like strict way, like a very strict way. And for me, I have been able to digest it in this way and I understand it in this way. I'm not saying that all Christianity is wrong or bad. What I'm saying is that I rebuke and refute all erroneous teachings. So when I have LGBTQ brothers and sisters who are swallowing your doctrine like poison, that's when you see me running to smack the poison out of their hand. And with, with full conviction, full conviction. I don't need anybody else to affirm what I'm talking about because I know you're about to swallow poison. So I come and I stand in a place knowing people are about to come slander me, knowing that the government, knowing that there are so many forces because for me to be empowered, for me to be inflamed and ignited this way means I could possibly catch somebody else on fire with the same fire. I could possibly start a fire and burn the establishment down. And that's what the system is afraid of. That's why, and there's a book, there's this book by Dr. David R. Hawkins called Power Versus Force. I can't even believe you brought this up. I have read it. The universe came to me, it'll be, I speak about it, this podcast came to me like five times in a week and was like, you need to read this book. It is dense, but it is- Dense, yes. It it is such a life-changing read. Life. It's a life changing read. And the reason why, so I have this um, thing that I'm about to release and I've, it's been, I've been working on it. It's like basically like a blueprint webinar. Um, I'm calling my personal PhD and I call it my, per, it's called mypersonalphd.com. Folks can go there to sign up as soon as it comes out. Um, the reason why it hasn't yet is because there's some ink that needs to dry with a bigger portion of that that's happening. So it's like, sometimes those things slow the thing down, but because I truly believe that each person can learn to have a doctorate level understanding of themselves, their value, their skill set, their energies, their everything. Some people are just so abused, spiritually abused, that they don't trust certain conversations. So there are books like Power Versus Force that make it a little bit more clinical, that make it a little bit more uh, academic in the approach. So they talk about energy in a way and um, understanding that if you're vibrating at low energies and, and let's not, let's, let's even demystify what it means to vibrate at low energies. If you're walking around with shame, guilt, fear, those are contributing to a low vibrational frequency in any area of your life. So, and what I know is that the Buddhism has given me, because we have something called the 10 worlds and there's the lowest of the worlds, which is hell from hell to then anger and animality and hunger and all of these different worlds up to Buddhahood and heaven. And all they are are vibrational frequencies. But what it's also telling you is that none of these are a permanent destination. And if you can really understand that meaning this too shall pass this hell that you're experiencing, there's a way out. Hell is here and now, but so is heaven. And heaven is not forever. Things won't always be heaven-like. So you need to have the life vibrational frequency that can surf the wave of life energy and that does not get totally dismembered and dismantled from setbacks and challenges and 
from a deep from a deep dive into hell because what I know now, I can truly go back. I go back to hell often. And when I visit that place, my heart starts cracking and breaking. And as it's doing that, and as the tears are coming out of my eyes, a smile is cracking too, because it's all exists in the same place. I can tap into the place that can smile and say, you're stronger than this. You're going to make it. Because when you have better tools, like all these things that we navigate become, they're not as ever as devastating as they were the first time. Right. Absolutely. And so- that's really the point of the work. And that's what I tell people. I'm like, the difference is, is that I can, my, my emotions regulate differently. I can hold two truths at once. I can know that this is temporary. And that's what's beautiful about it. And I think that's a beautiful, beautiful sentiment for people to digest because this is really the point is that you, you liberate yourself a little bit more because you're not really as controlled by what's happening to you and your emotions. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because if you don't, to understand what you just said, the fact that so many people are controlled by their thoughts and emotions. Now, that's one thing to know. Then the second thing to know is that there's an entire industry built at controlling your thoughts and emotions for you. So it's kind of like if you don't wise up and get aware to it, you you will think that you will think that thoughts and emotions are your own when they're not. They've been fabricated. Yeah, the programming is real. I mean, the, if we like when we talk about just like for example, white supremacy is a great example, and when we talk about white fragility and white people, that the deep programming of that of whiteness is really hard for a lot of white people, mm-hmm. right? It's really confronting because they don't understand that a lot of that thinking has been programmed because they've grown up in a world that was built for them. Mm -hmm. And the moment you have to start challenging and questioning that obviously makes you uncomfortable, but it's, you have to start like creating more space for more people. And that can be a really um, confronting process. And, but we have to realize those, those thoughts and ideas and beliefs aren't ours. Yeah. The voice of knowledge was the first book that set me free with that notion. It's by Don Miguel Ruiz, who also wrote the four agreements. And he just basically talks about how the voice of knowledge even talks about like taps into different things from Christian to Toltec to, you know, different ways. But understanding that there's this voice that now um, really is passed down, whether it's your parents voice and their parents and their parents voice and all this sort of like collective consciousness that is telling you you're not enough or that you need this or you should be doing that or what have you. So once you recognize that voice and depower it and decenter that voice and learn how to amplify your own in the sense of your own voice that challenges that voice and says, wait a minute, what? No, I'm not unworthy and unlovable. I'm just having a bad day. It's powerful and mm-hmm. it changes the course of your life. And so I think your Life has served you a journey that's obviously forced you to sort of confront forced, a lot of these yes. things. Um, well, I think, yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. But, is that- but it is the best way to put it because guess what? If many people, if they weren't forced to exercise, wouldn't do it. It's true. So the reality is LGBTQ people, trans people, black people, immigrants, folks with disabilities. There's a lot of folks, even folks with incarceration history are forced to process something. So what does it look like when we get to a place where you voluntarily step into a space that says, I'm going to do this work? I mean, I hope we can get there. I mean, I, I, I look at it like, you know, people don't change until they're forced to change. Right. Uh, until you bump into life. That's too late. (laughs) I agree. I mean, I agree. Like I, you, you said this thing in a magazine that I just want to like talk about because it was really profound to me. And I think for people that may not have trans friends or may not, um, like know a lot, what you said, I think to me is like so powerful. And it was a big, like just a hot, even knowing you, I was like, wow, she is (laughs) dropping some heat. I'm going to read it. And then I want you to sort of elaborate on it. I think being trans is an unspoken spiritual path. I feel like it's an impulse that starts in the heart and tells you that it's time to change. It's time to peel off another layer of skin. It's one of those things that is automatic, but it's also one of those things that's incredibly challenging without a spiritual foundation. And I think for me, this was a level of context that was so powerful to understand and for people to understand is that that journey is, is a, it's a, 
butterfly journey. It's a cocoon into becoming. And you are forced to do that introspection to be your authentic self in a way that not all of us have to go through that. And I would love you to elaborate on that because I think it's just, it, it was it. Like for me, I was like, it is a spiritual path and we need to talk about that more. Yes, we do. And, <clears throat> you know, it's not easy because I really don't even think that, and I'm glad you brought that up because I really don't even think that even in saying that, I still don't think people really understand or get what I am saying there and what I mean by that. Because I feel like even in this wonderful evolution that we've had with with there being an understanding of non-binary identities and understanding the really the profoundness uh, that is coming out of that space for folks to understand how to free themselves from those sort of binary shackles. It's interesting. I saw a friend, my friend Joanna Sofredo post something and she was like kind of venting just to other trans girls to us. It was like kind of a a conversation to us. And because there's a frustration sometimes with the movement, because we're not a homogenous movement. We're not a monolith. In the beginning, especially with non-binary folks, a lot of non-binary folks saw a lot of us trans, binary trans people as kind of just the enemy in the sense of like, we're trying to conform to a system that needs to, needs work. Right. But in doing that, sometimes what happens is folks get too political with the process of being trans and too theoretical with the process of being trans, but your conversation stops at surgery. Meaning if that's not your lane, if that's not your step, your ministry, your journey, then you don't know. So you can't say that, oh, we're doing this for this, blah, 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 whatever. Because what I will tell you is this, that spiritual process I'm talking about, that process that starts in the heart and internal that says it's time to change and do these things. Full transition, gender reassignment surgery, that path is not for everybody. It's not meant for everybody. Being trans does not mean you have surgery. This is something different. And that's why there's been an uncomfortable conversation for trans women, especially when we're trying to have this conversation with the rest of the community, because we're trying to affirm everyone else. But there's a lot of folks who can't affirm or know, affirm us, but ourselves. Many people think it's just a physical event that happens. But when I tell you that I was that caterpillar laying in my cocoon, there were, there were moments of complete refuge and, and contemplation and processing. But there were also moments that I, I felt physically like my body was being ripped apart and put back together. My nerves, my actual nerves were reconnecting and firing in places and shocking the shit out of me in the cocoon. One point I'm laying over the edge of my bed two or three months later, I spent two months in Thailand and then I um, got back to home in Atlanta and I was healing um, in January and I couldn't go to the Golden Globes when Pose was nominated for uh, the Golden Globes. I couldn't go because I was still healing. And there was a moment I was laying over the side of the bed and I remember thinking to myself, I feel like giving up. And what I mean by that is I didn't feel suicidal. Oh, and I just, ooh, just had a goosebump just thinking about it. But like, it wasn't that I was suicidal. It's that I had to give way, not give up, but give way to something beyond my own. I, I, something had to take me beyond this space to this next space. And it was such a spiritual, those, I mean, I, I, I all the time think about going back just because, and for a touch up or whatever, just because like, I feel like it's going into my, it was such a precious space that I created spiritually in the cocoon. Mm -hmm. And I, while I was in that cocoon, the conversations that were happening with my body in the sense of knowing it was like a wave of love going over my body of like, and you know, and I'm going to give a little TMI, but this is, we're all adults, we can handle this conversation. But basically just saying like, I had to, I had to heal and what we call dilate, you know, in, um, in my body, which is basically a process of 
stretching yourself out, you know, with these yeah. different like dildo like looking tools or what have you. Yeah. But the thing, but the thing is, is that, and in the beginning, when you're first doing it, they're like, don't think any sexual thoughts. Cause you'll, you know, and it's like, oh my God, okay, how do I do that? But in the beginning, it's totally fine because you don't think sexual thoughts is you're not even near that. You're, you know, you're just in a total different zone. You're like, Lord help. <laughs> yes. So I created a playlist um, full of NDRE songs. I am light. He heals me. Give thanks. Um, there were so many songs. And as I was listening to them and doing this process, I just remember making a vow to myself that I would never, I would not let a man near my body that didn't love my body as much as I did right there in that moment, as much as I cared for, as much as I had journeyed to get here, you know, and even still today, I'm learning more and more that is just spiritually and physically enlightening. So there is much that I still haven't spoken on, lessons I still have to share that unless you are a, tr a trans person who has gone through this process, you're just kind of our, out of jurisdiction. And there, and there needs to be a, sort of like a, a, a respect that starts to happen across the lines of gender for trans people, non-binary people, and cis people. A respect for where you are and a reverence for where you are. But right now there's only, a, you know, there seems to be only a reverence for the cis position, but there's a reverence for it all. That's why I wanted to talk about it. Because for me, you can't know you without knowing that this was a spiritual journey and people need to understand that process and then understand that we have to have like hold space and reverence and honor that experience because it is a challenging one and it is one that requires someone to up level in a way that a cis person is just never going to understand or experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and in some cases that a trans person is never going to afford. Yes, exactly. But it doesn't. And the, the prop the, the you know, so this is the reality. The reality is that doesn't make them any less, you know, trans or what have you. It just means that, you know, in this lifetime, they may not get to experience that fruition. They may not get to experience that blossoming. I'm not saying that they can't have a beautiful, wonderful, blossomed life as because many, and I, I firmly believe that surgery is not what makes your life work. It's not what creates happiness or does this thing. It's just what is the next step for some of us. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. That was really beautiful and special and I appreciate it. And Absolutely. we're going to jump into our, the rapid fire questions. So there's no wrong answers. Follow your intuition and your heart. Um, but what would you tell your 20 year old self? Right, right, right. Keep a journal always. Never stop writing. I love that. We've never gotten that one. And now I have to go write because I don't write. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, to, to, to even put, give you the context, it's just this simple. There's uh, many reasons why I don't trust the Bible and it has a lot to do with uh, what happens when the individual goes into an organization in the sense that like now the organization is editing which books are put into which chapters and which things are put into the book and how they're, you know, all of that. But the importance of those books, the book of John, the book of Angelica, the book of Denise, the importance of those stories of those challenges, I think we take a lot of that for granted, even so much so as the simple lessons from childhood, like telling your children what they're learning is important every day, not just in school, what they're learning about themselves and their emotions, write it down. It's going to be useful to somebody and to yourself later. So that's what I would tell myself is to write it down. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, that's why I do this podcast, right? Because I was like, I'm hoarding all this, this amazing stuff. I just have to like help people have the same access mm -hmm. to the wisdom because I've just learned so much from the people on this podcast and, you know, how they, how they've expanded my life, how they walk through space has been um, really important for my personal development. So that's what we have to do. Okay. Right. What's the last book you read? The last book I read, I'm reading, well, I'm reading, I'm currently reading The Prophets by Robert Jones Jr. Okay, yes, it's an incredible fiction story. Um, and I told myself I would never, I was so done with slavery narratives, movies and stuff like that or whatever. I'm just done. I don't want to, I don't. 
But this story is one like no other. And I think that it's so healing. It's so special. It's so profound. Um, and it's spoken from the black experience. It's not centering white people or whiteness or what they were doing when they were doing it. And, you know, there's a little bit in there, but like it's it's focused on where the disconnection happened between us as we were shackled together and all, you know, had religion and, and patriarchy and cis heteronormativity beaten into us in ways that we then turned to each other and turned our noses up at each other where we didn't before in seeing gender variance, in seeing relational uh, variance, all of a sudden now there's a power to aligning with the system. And so this book kind of shows the beginning of what that looked like to align with masses way and oppress these uh, other folks in our own community. So it's a, a wonderful, wonderful book. Great. I read every book that's recommended on here. So, um, you know, we walk the walk, we talk the talk. I can't wait. I'll add it to my list. Yes. Okay. What are you struggling with right now? What am I struggling with right now? I think I'm struggling with balance. I do pretty good, but it is a struggle. It's a struggle. As all I can say is that like, I'm trying to show up for the purpose of my life and I'm excited about it which many times can put me in an awkward position. My, you know, my excitement, my enthusiasm. Um, And so I have to constantly be mindful of my yeses, you know, uh, and be strong in my no's to keep that balance. So I I sometimes struggle with no more than anything else. I mean, I do, I, I do very well with no, but it's just the simple fact that I want to say yes, but I can't say yes to everything. And like, not only that, like, you know, what I'm struggling with is I'm struggling with how to say no, not without um, like a reason or whatever, but saying no without, I guess, my unneeded commentary or advice, which I don't, which I haven't given or done, but meaning like there are, there there are just so many situations out there, so many situations out there where people are reaching out and doing things, reaching out in, in desperation. And what I'm trying to do is not respond to the desperation. I'm trying to reroute or redirect the desperation into conviction, into knowing that they have more say and power and control over their circumstances than I do, than anybody else does. So my no is because is not just that, but it's also because look, like there's times I see people doing stuff and they'll have like GoFundMe's around different stuff or whatever. And it's like, like some of it I get and some of it I'm like, okay, this ain't it. And this is not the way, but you're not going to want to hear my full commentary or advice on why this isn't the way. So it's a hard place for me knowing that this person does need help or wants help. I could give them more help that, and the help that they actually need. But one, they're not going to, they're not paying me for it. So two, I'm not going to take the unnecessary then heat for it. Right. Well, it's also just you have to balance where your energy goes and you can't give everyone that needs your help that your energy. You really have to discern where it's like best channeled. And I think that's the problem, especially when you step into positions of influence, is that a lot of people want things from you and you have to discern, you know, where you can best help. Because we know that people need help. We know that the yes. world needs help. And if we could help everyone, we would obviously, if I was a billionaire, I'd be helping people. I'm just saying. <laughs> Wouldn't be going to space. Not going to space, right. Not going to space. But I think that's a really important thing, which is that, you know, you're a well-intentioned, pure-hearted person. And what people don't know when they're asking for the help, sometimes they're coming from desperation or scarcity, is that like you saying no is not a rejection of them or what they need help with, is that you have very specific ways to channel how you can help. And like you have to do what is best for your purpose and how you can show up. Absolutely. That's how I do the work. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. What is bringing you joy right now? What is bringing me joy right now is, is honestly, is my, my nephew. He's 25. Uh, he is bringing me so much joy right now because it's like looking into a mirror. It's like seeing myself 
when I was younger and also catching him at a time because he's queer where he gets to have a different experience than I did. And so I get to have him around and affirm him that you don't have to work in that factory, honey. You And okay, it's okay if you aren't a college graduate. It's okay if school wasn't really your thing or whatever the case is. I can still show you how to hustle and how to be um, reliable and responsible and how to deliver and get the life that you want. And so seeing him come from a space of being insecure, of being um, unsure of all these things and watching him get more confident, watching him realize I can do this, watching him have this other experience and just taking him to Disney the other day or, you know, doing these different things. Like it, it just is invaluable. I can't, it's so priceless because it just feels for me like a full circle moment for the my, the, my inner child. And it, it has even put me in a position where I never thought that I was maternal. And now I am, <laughs> now I'm in the process and looking at adopting It's you know, it's, yeah. No, it's, that's really special. That's really, I mean, I would say you are maternal, you're a dog mom and um, <laughs> yes. we see how much we love our dogs. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> there is nothing more maternal than having spoiled, spoiled dog children. Exactly. I love that. That's really special. I'm so happy that that's, you know, a part of your life. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received? I will say I've received a lot of good advice, but the one that comes to mind first is my ex used to tell me, uh, cause I was work, I would work so hard. I was working so, so hard. And he, and I would tell him, I'd be telling him, I'm just doing this. I'm doing that. Just a, he's like, listen, Angelica, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares how hard you're working, work smarter. And ever since then, I just kind of like, because that's the, it is the reality. All of that, all the rest of that is story. It's story about that we get attached to about, oh, you know, I had to drive an hour and a half each way to work. And I, you know, I do this and I do, yeah, that's, I guess that's what goes along with what you chose, right? You know what I'm saying? Or the, the, the path that you're doing, the dream you signed up for, whatever it is. So, you know, it's like, you're not going to get an applause or some cookies or whatever for working hard. That's what it takes to be successful, to be great. But what, where the real magic happens is when you start thinking smart, when you start working smart, because it just has a severe impact on your day when you are moving around more efficiently versus looking busy and tired and all kinds of other things and saying you're working hard. Well, that's great, but you're not working smart. So that's not, that's not a good thing, sweetie, that you're working hard. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we obviously all have to like make a living and hustle, but I think that I was a big, like worked around the clock. My twenties were a lot of me hustling and I got to a place where I was like, this is unsustainable. Mm -hmm. And I'm also not the person I want to be in the world mm -hmm. because I'm letting this, like these hours and like, you know, get, you get, we get comfortable sort of in that, like, I'm showing you how hard I'm working. Mm -hmm. And I think that we can often use it as a distraction from other things. And I think that when you start to check in with yourself and say, actually, let me design my life a little bit differently so I can be more social or show up as the person I want to show up as. And that's a hard shift. I mean, it's a, it was a very hard shift because you go from that like scarcity to abundance mentality where you think you need the job because you need the money. And if you say no to that job, is that like, you know, you don't want to lose the money. And it's a big dance until you get to a place where you're like, no, me saying no to that opportunity actually means I'm like vibrationally putting something else out there of self-worth that's different than what I've been allowing myself to receive. You know, I think it's, it's really also unpacking the saying, uh, live within your means, uh, because again, let's, let's not let that just lay as a cliche, but let's understand that what within your means means, because you only also have a certain level of emotional bandwidth. I told my cut, I mean, my, my nephew, as he's getting looking for apartments and doing, you know, or whatever, I'm like, listen, until further notice, like if you're young in your twenties and you're whatever, get a freaking roommate stop yep. trying to live on your own and do these things both the college atmosphere when people become dorm roommates but also the the living single or friends scenarios you're not married listen you don't wait to have, be married to have be able to live a double income lifestyle 
you can live a triple income lifestyle going into that rent with two roommates. Yep. And you also learn how to navigate challenges socially. And, you know, I had a roommate that took my security deposit for no reason. And don't worry, I took him to small claims court on the principal alone. It wasn't about the money, but it was like something that I never would have had to learn, which yes. was like small claims court. And these things where I stood up for myself, held someone accountable, got paid what I deserved. He like sent me a check $20 short and I wrote him back and I said, excuse me, the check is $20 <laughs> short. Don't make me put a lean against your wages. But like... <laughs> On the principle alone, like, don't, this is the thing, don't mess with me. Like, I'm, I will be a little petty yes, if you've done me dirty. Absolutely. But, but this is like 24 year old Denise who learned a very valuable life lesson by putting her in a situation where I lived with like one friend and one stranger yes. that I bumped up against a thing that like I'm like actually informed a big part of my life, which yep. was like, you're not going to take advantage of me. I now have these tools at my disposal. Like, you know, wh- I think that's a really important part of growth really is also is. when we putting yourself outside of your comfort zone, like living with strangers can be awesome because you navigate really uncomfortable stuff. It's a relationship. Yeah. Honestly. And it's, and it's one of those things where honestly, see, they're great relationships because it's like, especially when you ha- are living with people who aren't forcing things. You know, like, oh, just for like, but that you organically come into like learning how each other lives. Oh, you're right. What are you watching over there? Oh, what's that? I've never seen that before. I sit down and I watch it. Not, oh, you, we got to watch Sex and City every weekend. And we do this, you know, it's like, no, it's just that like living within your means so that then if you got, so one roommate is great. Two is great. Three, like, listen, I lived in, when I first moved out to LA, I had three roommates in a house. I mean, it was a big, it was a, it was a house. So it wasn't like a big house, but it was a house with four bedrooms or whatever. So big enough. And I think I paid $800 a month at the time in rent. And so again, having a low overhead like that, and then being able to not stress out and you can go to karaoke or go roller skating with your friends or go to the, you can say that instead of, no, I got to work. Cause girl, I got these bills and I got this and I got that. Well, get rid of some of them bills. hundred percent and save some money and set yourself up. For now, because I had to tell my nephew, I'm like, this is temporary. You are sleeping on my couch. Enjoy, <laughs> enjoy it. Reminder, Rem- temporary. <laughs> That's, I, and I told him, I said, and anytime you're in a situation where you know you want more, then do not make that situation too comfortable. Yep. Because yep. comfort is the enemy of greatness. That's from Jim Collins, Goodness to Greatness, I think. Um, Another great, another great book. Jim Collins is great. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to wrap up some of the the wisdom we've learned. There's a lot in this episode that I'm going to have to go back and re-listen <laughs> to. I am like humbled and honored. This was on. It's always the most fun talking to you, but this was like truly. I'm like. I love when I have to like process the conversations again. So I'm going to start with some of the top things. Angelica has a very diverse toolkit from music to therapy as like a life coach to Buddhism, to the books she reads. I think we all can benefit from a diverse toolkit. I'm going to repeat something that she said that I think is really profound that we all need to tell ourselves is that she said, I love myself more than anybody else loves me. And I think that is a beautiful thing for anyone to walk through life with. There's no greater power than loving yourself because then you will demand exactly what you deserve in your life. She puts in the work daily And I think that's something that we think a lot of times we love quick fixes in this culture and the work is not a quick fix. It's daily. It's consistent. This one is just like loaded and one for us to think about, but that oftentimes men and women don't know how to tap into their power without subscribing to patriarchy or white supremacy or misogyny or whatever it is. And there is massive personal power living outside of those systems. And I cannot drive that home more Cause that was, it's, it's so real. And I think we all see it every day and we all struggle with like how to participate in a culture that we don't believe in, but sometimes you have to tap into it. And it's a, it's a hard road to navigate, but I think that's really, really important to think about. All the things are happening all the time. Hell and heaven are here and now. And I think that is so true about how we live life. And I think we can all take a step back and just think about when bad things are happening, good things are happening. And certainly for me, a big perspective I have is that bad things can be happening in my life. But then I have friends where I'm like, it's all perspective where we don't know the challenges we're all going through. And so let's hold both in equal weight 
I think that's really massive. And get a doctorate level understanding of yourself. And what is your what is the thing you're launching called? Mypersonalphd.com. Okay, awesome. I think that if we know ourselves, life becomes a lot easier. Mm-hmm. We're able to tune in a lot quicker. And I think that you truly, truly, truly embody that. And the last one, don't work hard, work smarter, live within your means. Some really practical, practical advice. Angelica, I mean, just <laughs> I'm bowing my hat to you. Uh, the queen of queens. No. Truly, truly just always mind-blowing hearing your experience. And I hope this was really helpful to our listeners and really helps them change their lives. And I hope they like, you know, follow you on everything if they're not already and sign up for my personal PhD yes. because and oh wait, not, not only that, but honestly, my personal PhD is gonna be free. So there's no reason not to. So oh, no reason not to. Yeah. That's amazing. But you've been such an expander in my life. And so I just want to thank you for for always like having new ahas to share and showing the way and leading by example, because we need more people like that. Well, thank you. And likewise, girl, keep leading. Thank you all for listening. You can listen and subscribe to Do The Work on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can find ours. It makes a huge difference if you could review, share and rate this podcast. I want to give a big thank you to Entertainment Speakers Bureau and Angela, Wine Designs Media, Lenny Skolnick for the musical intro, Lindsay Johnson on the graphics, Olivia Christian on social. I'm so, so grateful. I hope you find or continue living in your purpose.